Welcome back to Epilogues, a unpacking of the weekly Haftarah. You are listening to Rabbi Yaakov Tramp. Today we're going to be looking at the Haftarah of Parshas Kisisa. This Haftarah is a very famous Haftarah. It is a story of Eliyahu at Har Carmel. And there are many parallels between this experience and the following experience of Eliyahu in his life and Moshe Rabbeinu on Har Sinai. Be may, let us start at our Perik. Our Perik is Melachim Aleph Perik Yodches, Pasuk Aleph to Lamed Tes. So we hear about there's been a famine for three years in the land of Israel. The famine was declared by Eliyahu as a result of the fact that the nation of Israel were serving Avodah Zorah. And as we know, the Torah tells us in the second paragraph of Kriyashma, If we listen, then Akash Baruch will bless us, and if we don't listen, there won't be rain. And Eliyahu says, well, look at the look at the look at this. The king of the land, his name is Ahav, who married a woman by the name of Izebel, who was a um, Phoenician queen. She wasn't even Jewish. She brought with her her culture and her paganism into the land of Israel. People were serving Avodah Zarah, and he says, "Well, then it clearly, if we're not serving Hashem, as it says in the paragraph of Kriyashma, then Akash Baruch Hu says that He's going to punish us. There's not going to be rain. We'll be ex- exiled from our land." And so Liel declared a drought on the land based on what the Torah says. And there was a drought. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a drought. For three years, there was no water to be found. We now hear how Eliyahu, although he was in exile himself, he ran away first to the, the, the brook of Chris, and then he went up north to the area near Sidon. Now he's back down in the land of Israel, and he's coming to confront Ahab. So what happens is, is that as he's coming to, to con- uh, confront him, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has told him to go to Ahab, to tell him that he's going to return the rain to the land. And um, and he in the meantime we hear that Ahav the king has turned to his prophet or servant whose name is Ovadiahu. Ovadiahu actually is a prophet. He has a sefer in the Treasar in the twelve minor prophets, um, which is actually a parak long called Chazon Ovadia. And so um, Ahav turns to Ovadia and says, "Look, let's uh, um, let's let's split up and we're going to go in opposite directions to try to find Eliyahu because we have no recourse except for finding Eliyahu to end." This terrible famine, um, and that's what, and that's ultimately what, what they do. We are told in a in a side note over here that during this famine, Izevel, the wife of Ahav, has killed all the Nevi'ah Hashem, all the prophets of God, and Ovadia, unbeknownst to his master, unbeknownst to Ahav, has hid a hundred prophets, fifty in one cave and fifty in another cave, um, in order to save them. We actually, if uh, just one wants to follow up with us and go to Sefer Menachem Beis. Um, the the lady who who who's who is a widow, who um, is in terrible credit, and the creditors are coming to take the children. We know that that ultimately is the wife of of Avadia. Avadia spent his own personal funds to support these Nevi'im in the cave and died in debt. So a, a very complicated situation over here. So um, we let's let's take a few points to ponder. Why is it three years that the famines lasted? So the Abba now explains that it's to represent the three houses of of Israel, the three. King, kingships or, or dynasties of the northern kingdom of Israel, which have gone awry, which have been bad, and they are the house of Yeruvam, the house of Basha, and now the house of Omri. Ahab is the son of Omri. Um, as well, we know that Ovadia is a very, very um, holy person. If you want to try to figure out who, who, who he is, he's, he's, uh, he's done a tremendous amount of good, and he lived among bad people, and yet he managed to still maintain his moral compass. As well, why was it that Izebel was killing his prophets specifically now? So it's it's maybe that she saw, uh, understood that the curse of the lack of rain was as a function of the prophets of Hashem. So she wanted to kill them in the hope that the rain would return. That maybe that's what was going on in order to get to to get here. We see she's not very multicultural, not very accepting of other options 
um, even though uh, perhaps Israel was more accepting of paganism than she was of monotheism um, as well. Um, why was it that Avadia hid them 50 in each cave and not just 101 caves? So it could be a size issue, it could be to minimize casualties like the Bug suggests as well. So they're off, they're looking for water and um, you notice just metaphorically an interesting thing which is going on and that is, is that um, the king and um, Ovadia split paths and go in opposite directions and then maybe says the Malbim this could be is that the, the Achav and Ovadia in life are moving in different ways as well. So what happens is it turns out that Ovadia chances upon Eliyahu and Eliyahu, and Eliyahu says I am going to meet your master I'm going, I need to speak to Achav go tell him that I'm on the way but Ovadia is quite concerned about this because he says look if I go back and I tell Achav I saw you and you're the only key to reign essentially and then you disappear, you're spirited away. And Hashem will take you away to a place, I don't know where it is. Then I'm going to be killed immediately. Um, and so I, 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 I put myself in a compromised position as well. Um, you see, so, so that, is, that, that was the concern of Avadia. To which Eliyahu, Eliyahu responds, no, I will appear to um, Achav, go tell him. He goes, so Avadia returns, tells Achav that Eliyahu is on the way. And they, they greet each other. Um, when Achav sees Eliyahu, he says, you're the one who's Ocher Yisrael. You're the one who blocks up and stops Israel because you're the one who's holding back Israel from rain. You're the problem over here. And Eliyahu says, I'm not the one who's held up Israel. It's rather you and the house of your father that brought so much paganism into land, which caused this spiritual decline as well. Now, this is uh, just a few points to ponder before going further over here. Is It just happens to be that um, it sounds like because they couldn't find Eliel for these three years, the understanding was that Eliel must have been spirited away and taken somewhere else because they'd been searching high and low for him up till now and not able yet to, uh, to understand or find where he was. So the fact that he is, uh, um, the, the, the fact that, that, that Ovadia is concerned is not out of left field. This is something which is, is actually real. It is dramatically ironic that in the end of the day, Eliyahu will not die. Eliyahu will be spirited away by Kodesh Baruch Hu. Ruach Hashem Yisra'acha will be the way that Eliyahu disappears from terra firma in the end of the day as well. Um, and uh, um, it, it is worthwhile also appreciating that um, that, that when, they, when Achav and Eliyahu meet, it is interesting to notice that usually, um, unfortunately, when you have an aggressor, an aggressor themselves usually believes themselves to be the victim. And that's what he's saying. You, Eliyahu, are the aggressor here. You're the Ocher Yisrael. And Eliyahu has to remind him that it's your actions that brought this upon you. It is a consequence of your lifestyle, which is, which is what is going on over here as well. And um, ultimately, Eliyahu then says to him, well, look, how, how's how we going to do it? Um, bring all your prophets of Baal, your prophets of Asherah, the Eshtar, and bring them to Har Carmel, which is in the north of Israel, and we're going to have a duel. We're going to have this competition as to who is really representing the word of God. And so that's what happens. They uh, they bring all these prophets up, and Eliyahu turns not to them because he's not trying to convince the prophets, but he turns to Israel and he says, Ad atem poesachim al so when are you, so to speak, jumping or hovering over both of the of these options? On the one hand, you're 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 following the Baal. On the other hand, you're following Hakadosh Baruch Hu. You need to make a choice, and so they make they, they make a uh, the following arrangement that they, there's two bulls. One is given to these prophets, and one is given to Eliyahu. And he offers them the first the opportunity of bringing a sacrifice and seeing if fire will come down to their sacrifice as, a, as an expression of this. 
and um, and um, ultimately they try this. They 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 mutilate themselves. They call out. They cry. They dance, and nothing, nothing really happens. And while this is happening, by a Bohem Eliyahu, Eliyahu starts uh, mocking them. Really, is this what's going on? You you can't do any more. Let a crowd louder. Maybe your God can't hear. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe you can, you can wake him up. And Eliyahu is, is is really taunting them as they go through this. Just a few points to ponder on this as well is is why does he need this whole fire and korban episode? Why can't he just say, well, you know, whoever can bring rain? So the the reason why that would not be a sufficient proof is they they believe that Eliyahu has control of the rain. Maybe maybe they believe that that the God of the Hebrews is in charge of the rain clouds, but um, and that that would not be a significant enough proof. They need to have something else, which is why he goes into a different domain, which is the domain of fire um, as well. Um, another point to ponder over here is is that it says that they were poschu alamizbech. That means to say that they were jumping over the altar. That was part of their their expression of their pagan rite and ritual as well. Um, and and in fact, the, the Malbin points out that they just, he gave them the opportunity of going first because the Baal's strength is in the morning. Their Canaanite god was in the morning. He said, try in the best of your times to do this as well. Why was that he was mocking on the, uh, mocking them? So the Chida points out that they were trying to use a magnifying glass. In fact, the Chida says to to try to light. They were using the sunlight to light their altar, and they were also digging under the the old altar to dig up the place where Chiel was buried. Chiel was the builder of the city of Yericho and was cursed, and his children died, and they wanted to use his blood as as part of the sorcery. And Eliyahu was joking and saying, "Look, none of your tricks, scientific or 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 pagan, are working as well." Notice something interesting that Isabel is not present at this duel and part of that is uh, says the Redakis she didn't want to engage she wasn't interested in a dialogue this wasn't trying to find the truth you know you see us a lot with BDS activists the have deal that uh, you know it's not like they're trying to figure out how to create a you know better a better country in the Middle East they just want to destroy the others Israel was not interested in dialoguing with Eliyahu as well finally Eliyahu comes to his carbon and he fixes the destroyed Mizbech where this is a Mizbech from the times of pre-Migdash or the Mizbech of Shaul HaMelech and he um, he takes 12 stones like the, cho- the children of the tribes of Israel and he builds the Mizbech and he, he fills the, 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 the moat around it with water and he covers the Ola, the this, this, this sacrifice, with water. Remember, remembering that water is very scarce at the time, so this is a big sacrifice to make it. And when Mincha comes in the, in the afternoon, he could, turns to HaKadosh Baruch he prays and he says, let me be the vehicle of, of your grandeur, HaKadosh Baruch Baruch you let your, yourself be expressed today. You're the one who turned their hearts backwards. And that's what happens. A fire comes out of from heaven, consumes everything. It consumes the water, the, the korban, everything. And every Caesar prostrates themselves and calls out Hashem, Hu HaElokim, Hashem, Hu HaElokim. Words we use at the very end of the Yom Kippur service, or even in the Yom Kippur cotton service, which are using, quoting from this passage over here as well. It's a very, very powerful description over here. Um, so, uh, what does it mean to say that Eliyahu says, What does it mean that you turned your, their hearts backwards? So, the Radak, quoting the Gemara and Brachas, tells us that the, you, you took away the Bechirach. You, you put them into such a pagan environment. You, you gave them so much that that's why they ultimately uh, did this. So, the, the Rambam explains that you removed their, the, the option of doing shiva, like the Mitzrim from them. They, they, they could have done shiva, but you, Akash Baruch Hu, you made it too difficult for them to come back. What is the significance of this response, Hashem Hu Elohim? So, Radak says it's, it, Hashem's name is mentioned twice to double their resolve, because that's how firmly they believed in what they were doing. Um, but, and Rashi says Elohim means power, and what they're saying is that Akash Baruch Hu is the only power. No, 
no Baal as well, which is interesting because it's important to understand this, is that when the nation of Israel served Baal and these other Canaanite gods, it wasn't because they believed solely in those gods. It was because they were hedging. They, they needed rain, they needed good agriculture, they needed good winds. And so they said, look, well, let's hedge. We'll, we'll serve all the deities out there, including HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that maybe will help us get the rain that we need. But in the end of the day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, no, 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 no. You need to know that Hashem Hu Elokem, all powers, um, try, uh, uh, ultimately the apex of all powers is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And you'll notice in the, in the Torah that it's not so often that the name Yishem Havaya, Yudke Vavke, appears next to the Shem Elokim. It happens in the beginning of Bereshus and in a few moments in time in Matan Torah and so, and, and here at Har Carmel, a few small areas, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokim Hashem it's the idea of convergence of realization that there's nothing else outside of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's what they realize at this moment. Unfortunately, if one carries on reading Tanakh and he reads the continuation of the story, one realizes that it is unfortunately not a long-lasting revelation. We'll see that the next day the people themselves go back to their merry ways and not much change has been affected, which leads to Eliyahu to, to a very somber realization. But in the meantime, this has been an incredible moment in Jewish history. In the meantime, have a wonderful, meaningful day and a beautiful Shabbos.